This is Sheffield Live. We're open for business life. I I think that you have to you have to kiss a lot of frogs. We, we certainly did. I think that it doesn't really matter um, how good your idea or concept is. You have to you will have to speak to lots of people. Hello and welcome to episode 361 of Business Live here on Sheffield Live FM Radio, online and of course on your podcast platform of choice. Have you kissed many frogs yourself? Well, Sean Donnelly has. He is the co-founder of a business called Ripples. It's just changed its name to Ripples from Roundups. He tells us the story of that name change, why, but he also tells us the story of going out and securing seed funding how they did it. Lots of great advice for other entrepreneurs from Sean about going and getting the funding, but also plenty of advice about meeting co-founders and about the importance of building a network, getting embedded into an entrepreneurial ecosystem. We talk about social impact, impact measurement. Ripples is a social enterprise. Sean's business is a social enterprise. We also talk about effective altruism, a topic close to my heart as well. And of course, we find out what Ripples actually does and how it aims to plug an £80 million gap in charity fundraising, but making it easy for consumers to do that through innovative tech and open banking and more. So there's lots in today's interview Sean's business, of which he's the co-founder, it's a really interesting business and it's had some support from a Sheffield name that many of you will have heard before. We'll turn to Sean in a moment. Before we do that, also in this week's programme, we've got a couple of funding updates in terms of potentially useful support for your business or your social enterprise if you meet the criteria that they are looking to support. We flag up some events that are coming soon. We ask for your reaction on a couple of things and give you some ways to put yourself forward to be on the programme uh, if you want to talk about your business or your social enterprise or you've got something that you want us to cover or you want to react to what's going on in the country right now. We'd always love to hear from you. But let's turn to this week's guest, Sean Donnelly. Now, I caught up with Sean on Thursday, the 3rd of February, for this interview today, being broadcast, first of all, Friday, the 4th of February, here on FM Radio, online, and, of course, podcast. And we cover lots and lots of things from... Sean's entrepreneurial journey as well. He's a serial founder, but with this business, I think he's found his passion. It's aligned with his purpose. He's got the right team around him and he's ready to go. So what is Ripples? How does it work? How did he get the capital, the seed funding? Well, listen on. Here's Sean Donnelly, our guest for episode 361 of Business Live. We're open for business life. Sean Donnelly, thanks so much for joining us on the radio show and podcast today. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. So, Sean, serial entrepreneur, social entrepreneur, really interesting to hear about what you're doing. I've taken a good look at Ripples, but can you tell us about Ripples in your own words? What's what's the business? Yeah, thank you. Um, We started a company called Roundups a couple of years ago um, with a really, really simple concept and simple problem to solve we've actually just changed our name to ripples this week um, but in essence we exist to, to get more people giving um, and, and the ripples app effectively rounds up your 
pay your card payments and donate the spare change to a charity of your choice. Right. Okay. Simple proposition. How much have you facilitated to be donated so far in in the uh, couple of years of existence? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a small figure. It's very modest. Um, we're we're approaching about seven thousand pounds now um, at this point. So we launched in November twenty twenty. Um, and so, yeah, uh, really early days, trying to get the word out there. The potential yeah. is enormous. The potential yeah. is huge. In Absolute, terms of, yeah, the, yeah and, the, and the ability to round up, so I can see where the original name came from, could, could be massively impactful. What's the aspiration then in terms of how, you know, in your sort of business plan, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you want to be helping to enable people to give by, say, the end of this year? Yeah, well, I mean, so the, the way we look at it is that, the average person using Roundups will donate somewhere between 75 and 150 pounds a year. So, so it does really add up. Um, mm. And sort of by the end of 2022, uh, we're hoping to have about 10,000 people on the platform. We've got about a thousand at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's in the, in the region of hundreds of thousands of pounds. And obviously in the future, we'll be looking to, to scale it up to a, a much larger degree as well. Right. Okay. And where did the idea come from and why did you think right this is a thing that I want to do yeah I mean I think as you mentioned or alluded to at the start I've, I've been involved in a couple of entrepreneurial endeavors um, and none of them were really kind of passion projects and I, and I always saw myself as transitioning over to something that would make a difference um, cheesy as that may sound I always kind of wanted to move into the third sector and, and do something that would help people I became very aware of the fact that charity boxes uh, at checkouts were, were empty nowadays because people weren't carrying and carrying cash and therefore they weren't donating the spare change because of us moving to a cashless society, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, so did, did a little bit of digging around this, discovered that in the UK alone, charities were losing around £80 million a year because people weren't donating the same volume of cash. Um, and at the same time, I became kind of, aware just through my own interest in in tech and all things related to fintech um, Mm. that there's an infrastructure known as open banking which effectively enables what we we do to happen so it allows uh, individuals to share transactional data with third parties safely and so it was was the the melting pot of those things um, made me realize that we could effectively digitize the behavior of, of throwing the loose change back into a a charity box when you pay for something with a couple of added benefits. The first one is that you can actually choose which charity those those spare change donations go to. And the second one is you can actually see the difference that uh, you, you make with those, those charities and those donations. So you mentioned £80 million earlier on per year in terms of the gap for charities. Now we have moved much, much closer to a cashless society. And yeah, that makes sense. I mean, many of us hardly ever carry any cash or maybe if we do it's in note form i mean you know we we go into museums these days and we see that huge perspex boxes still exist but they look a lot less empty than you know they used to but a lot of museums have adapted by putting these sort of terminals um and so on what you're doing is is taking that to a you know a, a different dimension so that people people can donate and people can can make those those donations which will add up to a lot mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's before COVID-19 hit and, 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 and since as well, there's been so much innovation and development in, in digital fundraising. And, you know, what you're referring to is those contactless donation boxes and they're yeah. really important and they're doing a great job of trying to kind of, uh, like, like us in many ways, replace that, those lost cash donations. Um, but yeah, I think that what we've, we've moved towards and what we're, really interested in behind the scenes is is improving the the giving experience as a whole so um this is in part why we have changed our name um because we really have seen an opportunity that in addition to replacing those loose change donations there is an opportunity to help people feel a lot more connected to the causes that they support um and what, you know one of the things we mean by that is if you donate via direct debit giving, for example, um, you probably get a monthly newsletter or something in the post from the charity every quarter or something like that. Mm. Um, and the trouble is that if you think about it in the, the landscape we live in, it, it's very old fashioned, um, like long form content where, you know, you're expecting people to stop and read a newsletter once a month um, about your charity, really kind of not particularly personalized um, not especially interesting, particularly to younger people um, like myself, really, whose, whose attention span has, has shrunk quite significantly. Um, so we really want to put that kind of whole giving experience inside inside an app that gives you real bite-sized updates on, on the impact of your donations. Yeah, okay. So it's app-based. It integrates using online banking. Mm-hmm. And so you then are communicating with people through a format that they're very, very used to today, using an app on our phone, bite-sized chunks, um, dealing with the, the the attention span reduction that you talked yeah, about there. And I'm looking at the website and seeing sort of how it works. People give their permission, integrate with their banking provider through online banking. Your app then uses data to sort of round things up as they spend is that correct and then when those accumulate to a certain amount like five pounds that makes a donation and people have chosen where where it goes to is, is that correct yeah that's a perfect description well i got it from your website to be fair <laughs> doing his job <laughs> that's good um yeah no you, you hit the nail on the head it's a, it's a one-time setup once it's active um you know you can pause at any time you can disconnect any time which is and you can you know change your settings as well um there's the option to put a weekly cap on donations which is is really important because you know some prospective donors um uh, are concerned understandably that uh, it could get out of hand if, if they're on a shopping spree or if they're out for the night or something like that um and they're rounding up it's gonna it's gonna take off and they're gonna be hit with a 50 pound donation in a week or something like that so everybody has a weekly cap on their donations and once once they hit it we stop rounding up until the following yes. Monday. how much of the the donation it accumulates to say five pounds you initiate that five pound donation from my bank account to the nominated charity how much of that do you take yeah we take five percent so it's a five percent transaction cost that's the only fee that is involved in in the process end to end so charities don't get charged anything else there's just a five percent transaction cost someone's five five pound donation Mm -hmm. um then 25p of that goes to ripples and that and that's how you pay for your overheads yes precisely yeah and and you you're a social enterprise Mm -hmm. Uh, your business is a social enterprise i imagine that your costs in terms of setup costs and development costs so far have been 
Uh, not insubstantial. Mm-hmm. How have you how have you funded the development and startup costs of the business? Yeah, so um, you're right. Development costs are, are certainly not insubstantial. Unsubstantial. Um, my co-founder is a guy called Matt. He's a, he's a developer, so he, he's able to build our technology. Um, but effectively, there's still a, a lot of costs around it, and we both bootstrapped. Um, yeah. Way to for the first sort of year to eighteen months, um, and then we well last last summer we closed a fundraising round with uh, led by Twinkle Hive, who are as you're aware the Sheffield based um, accelerator investor. Um, Indeed, and they angel investors as well. Right. So funding round led by Twinkle Hive, but with other inv- angel investors too. Exactly. Yes. Right. And can you say what the total raise in the in that funding round was? Yeah, it's 350k. Yeah. So we're hearing yet again about uh, Twinkle Hive on the on the radio show here. You mentioned that they led that funding round. Round. Could you have done it without them? Uh, we were on our way. Um, so they. I, they led it. We, we defined them as leading it because they came in with the biggest ticket size. Yeah. Um, we, we would have made it happen without them, but um, when they did come in, it, it sped things up definitely. Um, and they're just being absolutely fantastic to work with. So, yeah, we're absolutely over the moon that we've we found them and it all worked out. Good, good news for you. Good news for them. What tips or advice would you give to entrepreneurs who are looking to um, attract angel investment? I, I think that. You have to you have to kiss a lot of frogs. Um, <laughs> we, we, we certainly did. I think that it doesn't really matter um, how good your idea or concept is. You have to you will have to speak to lots of people. Um, it will never be every everybody's cup of tea. So um, there is a, a kind of to be honest, in, in my experience, a brute force approach to it in some ways. Um, you have to speak to lots of people, but obviously all, all of the obvious things you have to have. Um, a degree of traction, proof points, um, your assumptions around your forecast and everything else have to be reasonable and well thought through. Um, otherwise, you know, and any serious investor will pick holes in, in what you're saying pretty quickly. Um, but I think, you know, apart from those things, which are probably quite obvious, I think for us, we always wanted to be very honest, um, show, show ambition, of course, and, um, you know, think about the bigger picture and, and, and want to achieve big things, but re- be really honest and, and don't pretend to be something that you're not. Don't overpromise um, because that's a really bad way to start a relationship that's going to be, um, <clears throat> you know, hopefully at least five years long. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine who's who's kind of um, runs a very successful startup and has raised a few times uh, often says that invest, finding an investor is like finding a, a spouse um and so you could you can go with all the bravado in, in the world and, and act like something you're not and you'll probably find a spouse or an investor um but it's not going to work out because eventually you know you'll reveal your true self and if you've been kind of over egging the numbers or or what your plans are then it's gonna it's gonna go pear-shaped at some point so for me be yourself is, is, is really important and um it's good for your own sort of mental health as well because you're not trying to live up to some impossible expectations that you've you've set for yourself and for the for the investors yeah most definitely i mean that balance between ambition and having a determined ambitious goal in mind but also honesty and transparency it's something that 
say, tech startups, and I'm thinking across the pond as well, and in the, in the USA as well as here in the UK, aren't always necessarily known for. Yeah. And 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 yet, as you've eloquently described with your comparison and and, and your friend's advice. It's not going to go very well in the uh, medium and long term if you're just sort of um, bigging up the numbers with no uh, no substance behind that. Definitely, and I, and I think that you know, since uh, closing the round, we we have regular check ins with uh, our investors and kind of as as hopefully you can imagine about what's going on. Um, and there's added benefit to that because if you know they're there to help you, they want you to succeed. So if you can be very transparent with them there's more chance of them being able to point you in the right direction and help out when things aren't going so well or you know you need an introduction somewhere so yeah yeah and you and you want you want it to be a relationship which is not just transactional um in terms of you've got their money and that's it if if they can open doors if they can help with the benefit of your of their expertise and so on that's going to accelerate the business development and add resilience to you i'm sure yeah, definitely. So, Sean, you, you mentioned earlier that you, you certainly learned a lot from the first two businesses that mm-hmm. you um, set up and uh, really interesting businesses. The Shoe Sticks was a niche shoe accessory mm-hmm. that stopped shoes from rubbing or slipping. Um, it was appeared on TV, got listed in uh, national stores. You were also the founder of Zorball, a Zorb football events business. What were the biggest learning points that you've brought from those businesses into Ripples, Roundups yeah. as well as now, now, now Ripples? Yeah, I think that, um, that there was a very kind of big difference between, between them and the types of business they are. I, I, would, I would say that the first two businesses I started were small businesses um, as opposed to Ripples, which is a, a startup. Um, and I suppose the difference in those is that well, you can define them in many ways, but you know, a startup really requires hyper growth and, and has lofty ambitions. Um, whereas a small business is is, is a, an idea that you start and it, you know, it, for all intents and purposes, stays pretty small. Um, we didn't need to, you know, a repercussion of that is that we didn't ever look to raise funding for Zorbal or Shoe Sticks. They were they were self sufficient from from the outset. Yeah. Whereas Ripples, like like most tech startups needs a lot of investment um, or not generate revenue uh, that can sustain the company for quite some time. So you need to go out for that external investment. And once you've done that, obviously you're looking to, uh, at hyper growth. Um, <clears throat> but in terms of, of learnings, I think that the biggest thing is, I mean, I started Zorbal when I was 21, um, so fresh out of university. It was very much that bubble football as an activity had just arrived in the UK. Yeah. Um, I did it myself. I arranged it for my brother's 30th. It um, feels like an absolute lifetime ago. Uh, <laughs> and there were about two companies doing it at the time. And I, I basically didn't think that they were very good. I thought they were missing lots of tricks. Um, and because I, I kind of had that mindset of just getting on and doing things as you do at that age, I, I, I just, I just, I borrowed £2,000 off of my mum. Um, which I was fortunate to be able to do and, and just ordered the equipment and made a little website and, and off I went. Um, it was kind of very, it wasn't very thought through. It was just like, this This is fun. This is a good idea. People will do this. It will make some money. Let's go for it. So that's how that started. The shoe sticks thing uh, was my mum's idea. Um, 
I, I don't know anything about high heels, as you might guess. Um, and she came with this idea. We did some really kind of simple market research on it, and it seemed to be a problem that lots of people had, um, which is effectively that their shoes slipped at the back uh, and gave them issues while walking. Um, so we did yeah, a, a low-level market research, found that it was a common problem, and, and she was just really passionate about you know, building this solution, this idea that we had. So we worked on it together and, and yeah, had some success listing it in, in stores. Um, but much like Zorbo, I think that it was always going to stay a relatively small business. Um, and given that I didn't really have any genuine passion for either of those projects, um, I got quite got stale quite quickly with them. Um, and certainly for the the last few years I was running Zorbo, I was, I was really just waiting to see what I was going to do next. And, right. Um, pondering a lot about social impact and, and doing something that mattered. Yeah, indeed. And how did you and, and your your co-founder then um, decide to work together? What's the story there? Yeah, um, well, I, I had created a holding website um, to gather feedback for what was then Roundups, yeah. um, shared it on Facebook, that kind of thing, started a, a waiting list. Um, and I was proactively looking for somebody to come in and be CTO and co-founder. Uh, and one of the people that signed up to our waiting list was Matt. Um, Matt and I have, well, our, our partners are best friends. So we, we've known each other as acquaintances for probably about five years. And I knew that Matt was a developer. He was really experienced and that he'd uh, had some entrepreneurial adventures himself. Um, so when he, when I saw his name pop up as Sunny up for the waiting list, um, you know, I lit up because I thought, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> Matt's interested. Um, and so I messaged him straight away on, on, on Facebook um, and just to, to see what he thought and, and get some feedback. And I think probably within a few days, we went for a beer in Shoreditch. Um, and he was actually going to, because Matt was still working at that, at that time, and he was actually going to come on and just, helped me oversee the kind of outsourcing of our MVP build in the beginning. Um, mm. And then probably within a couple of weeks after that, he, he saw that he got excited about the concept and, and thankfully uh, decided that he wanted in. And yeah, so we, we didn't look back from there. Boom. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I see it all the time. You have non-technical founders looking for um, technical founders and it's uh, the supply and demand is totally, uh, disproportionate so i yes. count myself very lucky that, that matt saw that on facebook and signed up and and things have, have worked out like they have good 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 news now you mentioned shoreditch you went for a beer in shoreditch now shoreditch um just down the road from old street roundabout perhaps the biggest tech hub in the uk mm-hmm. well probably undoubtedly the biggest tech hub in the uk in terms of founders and networks and so on yeah. uh, this show is going out on radio in Sheffield and South Yorkshire, but it's a podcast available and with listeners all over the UK. Um, but it begs the question, Sheffield, South Yorkshire, very, very proud of its digital community. There's a wealth of skills here, as has been evidenced in multiple reports over the, the last year or two, and a thriving tech scene, Sheffield Digital, um, can give the data on that, and they, they frequently do. But in, in terms of founders meeting people with the appropriate tech skills you, you know you just mentioned you know a vision an idea and so on and needing needing the skills 
Um, is London sort of sucking all the talent? Could you have done this outside of London in, in terms of um, starting starting up? Or were the benefits that, you know, really have only accrued because you're in the capital? It's a good question. I I, I grew up in the suburbs of London, and so I, I'm from here, um, mm. which, which it, it, you know, it, it gives you an advantage in many ways because, as you know, I, I went to university in Sheffield, so yes. very close to my heart. Um, lots of people I met there, some of my best friends who lived all over the country, have now moved to London, um, not necessarily to be involved in startups, but just, just for jobs and, and for industry. Um, it, it's, a, it's a hard one for me to answer because I haven't attempted to, to you know, build networks and things like that outside of London. Um, mm. What I would say is, particularly pre-COVID, I actually moved to Shoreditch for a while from, from the outskirts of London. Um, and I would say probably four or five nights a week, there were free events that you could go to and mix with people and some, some really high caliber people as well. People were running some of the, you know, the neo banks and huge, huge fintechs and, and, and other startups. You could go and mingle with these people, you know, for free at some sort of startup event, three, yeah. four or five nights a week without fail. And I did that. Um, I would imagine that London is probably the only place where you can have that much, there's that much going on. Um, so, so my instinct would say, you know, Probably not that there is more opportunity in London um, because, because of you know all of the various factors that we know. Um, but I don't know because I haven't tried to do it in Sheffield. I would like to think that every city has its own you know bubbling scene um, and, and people are feeling less of a need to get down to London, particularly post COVID nineteen, where you know offices are empty still all over London. Um, yes. people are really re- like realizing how much more they can get for their money and have a bit more space and, and more greenery by, by moving out. So I'm not sure. What, what do you think, Jamie? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's an unfair question, isn't it? Because you don't have the point of comparison. It's worked for you because you're in London. Um, and I know lots of founders in Sheffield or in Manchester or in other cities where they've met the people that they needed to meet um, and have set up thriving businesses. I think the point, the the, the real key point that you made, though, is that the ability to go to events very, very frequently, not just sort of once a month, but, you know, you mentioned being able to go to an event five nights a week for free and meet lots and lots of people. And inevitably, that's going to give you a really good, powerful, supportive, extensive network of expertise yeah. and so on. And that, that's what, that's, I suppose that's what uh, uh, ecosystems outside of London need to to be able to offer people isn't it yeah um, connections yeah i think so and it's it's it, in addition to the network it just it really does kind of inspire you because i, I as i said to you the, the two businesses i had before i would describe them as small businesses i didn't try to network with people or have to find investors so it's very different kind of um mindset at that time coming into the startup world it was it gave you so much energy going to these events and seeing that other people just like you were doing great things and um so yeah, I think that that in-person that in-person stuff is absolutely crucial. One thing I would add on to that though is that um, in, in London, my, my kind of base point for entrepreneurialism and startups in in London is Google for startups, which used mm. to be called Google Campus. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Jamie, but in London they had uh, basically a, a building that was co-working in Shoreditch, but in the basement they had an area called the Startup Cafe. 
and you could apply for membership. And if you got in, you basically had a card and it was free co-working space for startups. So you could just go there with your team every day and work from there. Yeah. And so everybody in that basement was, uh, you know, pre-seed stage startup, uh, really excited about what they were doing. Lots of good networking going on. They'd hold events. Um, and there was just that buzz. Unfortunately, um, at, towards uh, sort of the end of the second lockdown, I think, or maybe a bit later, Google for startups announced that they were actually closing that mm-hmm. facility, um, which I, I I was just absolutely devastated by. Not not for myself because um, we've we've kind of moved on past that stage, but I did feel that that physical space that you could go to for free and kind of immerse yourself and be inspired was just massive for for us. Um, yes. And I think it's so important for the ecosystem. So it's going to be interesting because they've moved that that. Uh, ecosystem and that community on, on online to slack um and i can just tell you now that it's not the same that no. nobody really speaks in there um it, it's, it's going to die out in my opinion um so it's, yeah it, it's very hard to replicate the sort of serendipitous bumping into people and having absolutely. conversations yeah absolutely that connection yeah indeed so well i mean great great to hear those observations and i'm interested in in the comparisons i I would say this one time, you know, I think there are fantastic things about the, the Sheffield um, tech and startup scene in terms of the um, incubators, accelerators and um, networks and so on. Um, but I wanted to ask about uh, the difference that you've experienced. Um, incidentally, you're talking to someone who set up a business um, in Shoreditch, <laughs> Hoxton, back in 1999. <laughs> it was very cheap when I did it um, to, <laughs> to get an office in Hoxton. It was extraordinarily cheap. Which is I can why imagine, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it is now. <laughs> no, no, I can't imagine either. <laughs> but, um, but Sean, uh, um, this has been fascinating. I want to uh, throw a sort of curveball question at you, if I may, and if you've got time for it, um, because I noticed on your LinkedIn profile you're an advocate for... Uh, effective altruism um mm. sitting behind me on the, the bookshelf is a book called doing good better by william mccaskill yeah fantastic um, <laughs> big advocate of that but um how do you define effective altruism what does it mean for you um it's the most impact for every pound you donate uh in, in essence um the, the, the tricky part of that sentence is what does impact mean um and you'll know yourself having read that book that there's a couple of measures one of them is quality adjusted life years so in essence it's a way of kind of standardizing impact um i won't go into the detail of it but it's all about doing as good you can with with your donations um and and the premise around it is is that often we donate with our hearts and our emotions rather than our heads whereas if you kind of try to think about doing good more like you would say investing in stocks and shares and you're a bit more kind of methodical about it um us as a society will be more impactful and, and solve more problem more problems um so yeah i'm i'm on my personal life a big advocate of it and it's something that we're really interested in um building into to ripples as we as we grow indeed and i mean i found the unintended consequences parts of that book really interesting where where there are examples of initiatives that sound fantastic in terms of the potential um, for positive change, for positive effect in terms of, on people's lives, but sadly um, have had unintended consequences, which yeah. are sort of reversed. 
Um, tell me then, Sean, if, you, if, I, if I may ask you, you said you're a big advocate for effects of altruism in your personal life. What are, what are your favourite causes of 2021 to 22 in terms of that the, the you are supporting personally? Yeah, um, I donate to GiveWell. Um, it's a real shortcut because they, they do the, the work for you in, in figuring out what's most effective at a given time in terms of projects. So um, I kind of I kind of cheat it and, and go with GiveWell, really. Um, I believe that they're one of their tops is always against Malaria Foundation. So um, that's probably where my personal donations go right now. They have the GiveWell Maximum Impact Fund, supporting nine high-impact evidence-backed charities combating malaria, boosting childhood vaccination, treating parasitic infections, and providing microfinance to people for business and agricultural assets. I'm reading that from uh, um, from, from GiveWell because <laughs> this is a total coincidence. I did not know that when I asked you the question, but uh, I supported GiveWell myself. Um, in uh, in December, so GiveWell is one of your one of your one of your an organisation for which you are a big advocate. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. Okay, great. Um, Sean, where can people find more about you? And of course, take a look at Ripples and sign up if they like the idea of um, of doing what you're doing. Yeah, you can find out more at joinripples.org. Um, and I mean, you can find me through that website as well or find me on LinkedIn, Sean Donnelly. Grand. Sean, it's been a real really interesting conversation discussing your journey roundups and ripples journey and your previous entrepreneurial activities and of course how you secured your investment thanks ever so much for joining us on the radio show today and wishing you well and wishing you great impact with ripples in the future thank you thank you jamie we're open for business life This is Business Live, Sheffield Live, FM radio and online. And of course, on your podcast platform of choice, it's Friday. It's the 4th of February 2022 as this show goes out. That was Sean Donnelly. He is the co-founder of Ripples. Go to joinripples.org for full details. A good gallop there through raising investment through effective altruism, through finding a founder, a co-founder, much, much more. And we talked also about the book Effective Altruism by William McCaskill. Well worth a read, in my opinion. What are you reading? What books have inspired, informed you, made a difference to your business or your your social enterprise, changed the way you think, challenged you or given you tools that you found particularly useful. Quite often we round up business books as tools that people can use. They're no good if you just read and read and read business books and don't do anything with them. But there's a wealth of reading matter out there and it gives you the chance to pick, pick, pick people's brains, learn from their mistakes, learn from what worked for them. And loads of folk running businesses and social enterprises and charities who we have interviewed on this programme have given us their tips for books that have changed their lives or changed their businesses. And I'd like to hear yours. So get in touch. Send an email to jamie at sheffieldlive.org with details of who you are, what your business or social enterprise is, and name a book that's inspired you, informed you, changed what you do, and perhaps... You can come on the show and talk about it. It'd be good to hear from you. So coming up, a couple of events and funding opportunities. 
First of all, let's have a look at a couple of events. Tramlines, of course, they've announced the second wave of artists and comedy. Um, full comedy lineup announced today, second wave of, of artists announced today. I say today, Thursday the 3rd of February is when I'm recording this. Loads on there, so check out the Tramlines website. Sooner than Tramlines, which of course is in July, we've got the um, whole um, outdoor city stuff taking place in Sheffield. Sheffield Adventure Film Festival have announced that tickets are now available for the 18th to the 20th of March 22. So you can see what's on at Shaf by looking at the Shaf website, shaf.co.uk for full details. And Shaf also fits in within a whole load of outdoor city events as well. Check out the Outdoor City website for more details on that. We're open for business life. Okay, so a couple of funding updates for you. In Sheffield, the COVID-19 travel sector grant is now open. So if you run a business in the travel sector, which has been severely impacted by COVID-19, the travel restrictions and the Omicron variant, then the grants of up to £6,000 through COVID-19 travel sector grants. You can apply for those. Deadline is the 28th of February 2022. You can find out more about those at sheffield.gov.uk. Go to the coronavirus support for Sheffield businesses section. Um, We've already mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the show the Omicron Hospitality Accommodation and Leisure Grants, which are open to businesses in Sheffield in the hospitality, accommodation or leisure sectors. Deadline for those is coming up soon. It's the 16th of February. And in South Yorkshire, the Digital Innovation Grant Programme has reopened for applications on the 1st of February. It reopened. Again, the deadline is quite soon. This time it's the 28th of February. It's to help SMEs in South Yorkshire to develop your use of digital technology um, up to £5,000 available. And minimum award £1,000, maximum £5,000. It funds half of the value of an investment And full details are on the Enterprising Barnsley website. I'll link to that in the show notes. It's the Digital Innovation Grant, and it covers SMEs across South Yorkshire. Okay, so that's it for this week's programme. Thanks so much for listening, and thank you, of course, to our guest, Sean Donnelly. Before we go, though, remember you can get in touch, and I'd love to hear from you if you've got a view on energy price rises are they going to affect your business or social enterprise of course they're going to affect households and we've heard on thursday day before this show goes out about the increase in the domestic price cap how rate how are increasing energy prices affecting your business or your social enterprise get in touch also love to hear from you if you've got a view on interest rate rises as well you can send us an email jamie at sheffieldlive.org and lots of people end up on the program because they have done exactly that told us about their business challenges they've overcome how they do what they do got an interesting story to tell or have a comment to give us so why not do the same if you've got something you want to air thanks so much for listening to the show it's um as ever a huge privilege to get to pick the brains of interesting people and then to hear from you that 
you find it inspiring or educational or informative or helpful in terms of your business or social enterprise. So I love talking to the guests and I love hearing what you think of them afterwards. We've had some brilliant feedback for the last couple of episodes. And of course, you can check out several hundred episodes of the Business Live Show on your podcast platform of choice. So wherever you'd like to get your podcast, look up Business Live, Shefford Live, Jamie Feach, and you should find us. That's it. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Sean, for a great interview. And thanks, of course, Shefford Live for putting us out on the radio. We'll be back on air next week. Sheffield Live. Made in Sheffield. Made by you. We're open for Business Live.